everyone. Welcome to another episode of Chai with the Pre-Med Guys with your hosts, myself, Saeed, and my dear friend, Wally. Hello, everyone. Today, we're starting our Chai time with one of our alma mater friends, Leanne Santor, a Stony Brook graduate who's continuing her medical journey at Stony Brook Med School. I actually know Leanne from being an RA in Kelly Quad on campus. She was one of the senior RAs my first year, and we all looked up to her as one of the first to take up a position as a second-year living community mentor which was basically a position in which she closely mentored everyone living on the second floor of Lauderbur Hall on campus. Aside from that, Leanne was widely known to, to be um, holding research positions on campus in the social competence and treatment lab. She actually rose up the ranks to become a lab coordinator, and she was also a swim coach and had many TA positions in her time. And, and yeah, she's just a very inspirational figure for all of us, and none of us were surprised when she got into medicine. So I think I've talked a lot about you, Leanne. How about you go um, introduce yourself and tell us how med school is? Oh, thanks, Wally. I didn't know you knew that much about me. <laughs> um, but yeah, my name's Leanne. I'm a second-year med student now at the Renaissance School of Medicine at Stony Brook University. Um, I graduated from Stony Brook in 2019 with a BS in biochem, and I had minors in health and wellness and health medicine and society. Perfect, perfect. And it's really, really nice to meet you. I hope you still remember me from being at many of Lauderbur's events that Wally brought you in to talk to us. And honestly, the advice you gave were really great. And the words you said were really encouraging when you came to our events. So I'd like to just first off, like, you know, preface this first question into the role of a physician. So we know that the whole point of being a doctor is not to just understand the disease it's also to communicate the disease with the patient. So like as a doctor, it's like such a weird um, thing in the healthcare system as a healthcare consumer, you don't know anything about what's going on with you, only the doctor knows. So essentially um, the doctor has to come and understand this disease. And on top of that, they have to teach the patient what is wrong with them. So what are the nitty gritty things they have to do, they can't do eating wise, exercise wise, movement wise. So like, you know, the list goes on. So basically, how has your passion for teaching, you know, you said, Wally said that you had multiple TA opportunities and you held many positions. How has those positions basically molded you into being a physician and that whole teaching aspect in your journey to medicine? Um, yeah, you're definitely right. There's a ton of teaching in medicine, whether you're teaching the patient or just the structure of medicine is very hierarchical. Um, you know, the attending physician teaches the fellow, teaches the resident, teaches the med student, and so on. Um, so I just always love teaching and giving advice. Um, I know I was a big consumer of advice in like my first few years of um, undergrad. And then when I got into those TA roles and RA roles, um, I just really liked um, helping the younger students or students that didn't know as much kind of figure out what they wanted to do with their lives and um, even teaching like as a TA teaching material. Um, and it's very useful in med school, I've noticed, because um, one of the points they really highlight to us is that, you know, patients don't know what you got on your test scores. They don't care what you got on your test scores. They always want the doctor that has the best like, bedside man who can explain things the best to them. Um, so having that experience of teaching undergrads before going to med school definitely helped me to try to figure out how to explain, um, you know, disease pathophysiology. Right, right. I think definitely like a TA being an RA that definitely helps you understand like how to interact with, um, uh, with patients, even though it might not seem relatable at that time, you know, as an undergrad, you're just dealing with with students and you think it's not even comparable to the interactions you would have as a physician and with um, a patient where you're actually giving them useful like 
healthcare medical advice, but um, it definitely, the connection definitely is there more than most people would think. But I think another thing to take from a lot of these experiences we have, like these leadership mentorship experiences are, is just the future of how you're expected to work as a medical team in a hospital. I think a lot of, um, uh, whether it's being an RA, being a mentor, being a swim coach, being a resident, being a research assistant in the lab, um, a lot of it is about teamwork and the, the dynamic of, of, the, um, of, me- of the medical society, you know, or how you work together in, in a hospital. So I just wanted to ask, like, how do you think now that you're, this is your second year in med school, you've probably had some experience and more exposure than us, at least, how um, this teamwork happens in a hospital. So how have your undergraduate experiences helped you, prepared you to better understand those dynamics? Yeah, teamwork is definitely everything in med school. Um, in classes, we're always put into small groups for assignments and quizzes and whatever. Um, and then in the clinic, too, um, back when we were in the hospital before COVID, we were always working in small groups, seeing patients. And even now during COVID, we still work in teams in the free clinic when we volunteer there. Um, and I think that I got a lot of really good experience knowing where I fit into a team during undergrad, whether it was in my research lab or working as an RA or as a TA, you know, we were always put in certain groups um, and just having that experience of knowing like, this is my role in this group, um, you know, when to lead, when to listen to other people. Also knowing like how to work with certain bosses. If you've been an RA in any quad, you probably know that each RHD has a completely different personality. Um, but that's five different personalities that you now know how to work for. Um, and that's come in handy because I've already, I've worked with people all the time in the hospital where I'm like, oh, they remind me of that RHC or they remind me of my lab director. I've been through this type of experience, this situation before. Um, so it's definitely helpful to be part of that team and, you know, figure out where you fit in undergrad. Because you can make mistakes in undergrad, you know, you could be um, too strong of a leader and you know not give other people a chance or maybe not speak up enough um, and in undergrad you could make those mistakes and learn from it so that you know when you're working in the hospital and with other med students um, I feel like I really know my place what I want to do and I've already made those mistakes for the most part. Yes, yes, yes. Well that's actually that's actually really interesting that you point out about how your research has basically led you to become the type of leader that you would want to envision that is leading, I guess, your team or if you are in that position. So I just want to go a little bit more into research because I just feel like that's such a that's such an interesting point in our in our pre-med lives. Because everybody everywhere you go, everybody's talking about, oh, you have to do this much of research, you have to do that much of research. And the more we have been going through right now, while he's a senior, I'm a junior, and we've realized that it's not about how much you do research, it's about how meaningful it is. So basically anyone can have a research experience, but few can claim that their research experience was meaningful. Since Leanne, you've been involved with research since basically the first days in Stony Brook. How can you make your research or advice to us, how can we make our research experiences more worthwhile? Yeah, so I think it just really depends on where your strong suits are. Um, For me personally, my grades, meaning my GPA and my MCAT, I mean, they were fine, like to anyone else, they would think that they're high, but compared to other like pre-med applicants, they were pretty average, maybe even a little low. So for me, I needed research to stand out. And if you're in that category of people that really wants to do well in research and make that a strength of your application, um, I think it's really important to just 
find the one lab that does something that you really care about and stick with that. Um, I knew a lot of people that maybe joined like three or four labs were involved in a bunch of projects, but their role was like, I pipette this substance into this jar and then I leave and like they didn't really know anything else about it. Um, you know, it's cool, I guess, to have like those different things listed on your resume. But for me, I had three and a half years of experience in the same place. And what we did at my lab really helped kids with autism, which is something that I'm passionate about, I enjoyed doing. And at interviews, I could talk about that for hours. Like there was no question that would surprise me or that I couldn't answer. Um, it was something that I really loved. It made my undergrad experience fun and exciting. Most of my friends I met in that lab. Um, so when I talked about my research, you could tell that like, I'm really interested in it. I'm passionate about it. I care about the outcomes. I know why we're doing this type of research. And I think that if you can find yourself a role in a lab like that, where, you know, you could say, this is why I wanted to get involved in this research. This is all the great things that we're doing. I love spending my time here. And this is what I want to continue doing as a med student and as a physician one day. Then I think that that's the type of research you want to look for. Right. I think, I think definitely um, a good thing you're pointing out and a good thing to learn from your story in general is that rather than just doing these things just to get them over with and just so they look good on paper, you really need to focus on the depth of the things you do rather than how many things you do. And, yeah. and, and, and something that, that really, um, uh, I think, I hope that a lot of pre-meds learn that they need to start doing is what you've done to, to actually focus on thinking about what you want to do as a med student, as a physician in the future, and just start building the blocks for that right now, rather than just thinking, I have to get into med school. I think a lot of people, they just get a bit short-sighted and think the end goal is getting into med school rather than thinking the end goal is to be a good doctor or to do something you're interested in. And, and I think that would just make a lot of people's um, pre-med lives way easier if they just focused on the things they're interested in and, and tried to use those to make them better pre-med students, medical students, future doctors. Um, and just in the talking about using your undergraduate experiences to build the blocks of your future physician career. I was just wondering, um, I think one of your independent studies was actually observing how comfortable primary care providers are with treating autism spectrum disorder. And I was wondering if there, what exactly, or if there was any specific link between that and any change you might want to see or bring about or contribute to in, in the field of medicine in the future. Um, yeah, so the research lab that I worked in was an autism research lab in undergrad. Um, and while I was working there, I learned that a lot of the kids with autism that came in for our studies were a bit older. You know, some of them were in their teens or, you know, like 10 to 15 was probably the average kid. And a lot of our research studies actually gave diagnoses to kids. And I was pretty surprised because you could get diagnosed for autism at as young. Um, so I was like, why are these kids not getting diagnosed until they're 8, 10, 15, sometimes into adulthood? Um, so because of that, um, I had some really great research mentors at Stony Brook that said, you know, why don't you look into this further? If you want to go into medicine, why don't you look into the reasons why? Um, so I had a really great research mentor who supported me and helped us to develop a study um, where we actually surveyed physicians. So doctors, also um, really any primary care provider. So that includes nurse practitioners, um, PAs, and some rural areas, even RNs. Um, anyone who's providing primary care to 
um, children. We created a survey that asked them about their knowledge of autism, if they know how to screen for it, if they have someone that they can refer people to, if they suspect that they have it, um, that type of. Um, so the goal of the study is to figure out what the barriers are to these kids getting diagnosed. Um, because, you know, if you get diagnosed at age two, you have opportunity for early intervention and, um, you know, things that could potentially better your quality of life. Um, whereas if you get, get diagnosed later, you may miss out on those benefits. Um, so that was the goal of the research study. And it was also really cool because I got to do research on the field of medicine. And, you know, doctors aren't perfect. Like this whole study was about how doctors are missing something and I want to be a doctor. Um, so it's also kind of humbling to see that, you know, we're not perfect. We can always be better. And there's tons of studies like mine and other fields that are all about, you know, quality improvement and how doctors do better. Absolutely. Doctors, doctors can do better. And hopefully there, we can implement trainings to, to help them get better. And I feel like being a great doctor comes from the blocks that you build or the foundation that you build throughout your undergraduate years. Honestly, that's what I believe so far. And Leanne, we have seen that throughout your journey as an undergrad student, you haven't only just gotten involved in research, you've really immersed yourself into research and you've assumed the highest mentorship, um, mentorship roles, such as you know being a lab coordinator or being a 2ILC mentor, which is like the highest position that you can get. How have you continued this devotion to leadership and mentoring through med school? And what shape or form has it really taken for you in med school right now? Yeah, so I actually love mentoring because I remember how it feels to be a young, terrified freshman. You know, all you want in life is to get into med school and you don't know how and meeting with the med school advisors is scary and you don't always get the good one. Um, so I just love giving advice to undergrads. So I participate in a lot of programs in med school that help to do that. Um, I'm on the e-board for SNMA, which is like um, it's Student National Medical Association, and it's a club at Stony Brook that our goal is to promote diversity and inclusion in medicine. Um, and one of the things that we do in my role is the MAPS liaison. Um, so my role is to reach out to the minority association of pre-medical students at Stony Brook and kind of give them advice. And we host programs where we, um, you know, make applying to med school less scary and less secret. You know, we tell, tell you things that you need to know that are really difficult to find. <laughs> Um, I also participate in our student-run free clinic, SP Home. Um, I'm the volunteer coordinator for that, so I try to um, get people at all levels involved in the free clinic so we could provide healthcare to uninsured <coughs> Long Island. Um, that's been really fun because I get to work with not only med students, but also dietetic students, um, social work students, undergrad students, translators, just a ton of people come together to make that work. Absolutely. Leanne, it's, it's really refreshing to see people like you who are so willing to give back to the medical community in a way that's not at all superficial, but is actually really meaningful. And I think, I think it goes both ways, right? In that you're really passionate about mentorship, but I'm sure that even to get where you are today, you had a lot of mentors that, that definitely left some meaningful lessons with you. And I think a lot of pre-med students could really, they stand to gain a lot by just looking for a mentor who has their best interests at heart. So what would you, do you have any advice for students to maybe find um, mentors who can have their back, advise them through their journey? Yeah, finding a mentor is difficult. A lot of it for me even just came down to luck. 
um, I was interested in autism because I used to do autism swim when I was in high school. That's how I ended up in Nurch Lab, not because I knew anything special or was super smart and good at research. Um, and I happened to have a really great mentor in that lab. Um, but if you're specifically trying to seek out a mentor, um, some of the qualities that mine had that I really benefited from were that he treated me as if I was a doctoral student, even though I was an undergrad. He gave me every opportunity, um, but I had to work really, really hard to, um, you know, get those opportunities, if that makes sense. And someone who will let you do things like write abstracts to conferences and make poster presentations, maybe even work on a manuscript. You want to find someone who's going to let you work hard to earn those opportunities. And on the other side of that coin, you also don't want someone who's just going to give you those opportunities. Um, I have a few friends in med school that an undergrad, you know, they had a mentor that just kind of wrote their names on papers that they maybe just collected data on, but didn't necessarily like contribute to in a larger role. And, you know, that was good at the time in undergrad because they got to say that they published something. But now in med school, they don't really know how to like start research on their own and write a paper. They still have to learn those skills. Where for me, from like day one of med school, I was able to start working on a ton of different pro um, projects. I knew how to work independently because even though I hated it at the time, my mentor really made me work extra hard to earn publications and um, poster presentations and all those things that we like to put on our resume. Right, right. And I think so many people are just, they're just scared to, to ask these intimidating professionals to, to give them some kind of advice or like take them by the hand. Whereas the yeah. reality is, yeah, but the reality is that, that they, they're actually pretty willing to do it because they understand, you know, they were in our position at some point They They were just a student trying to figure out what this is all about. So it's really just the simple act of reaching out. And I guess the rest just falls into place. Yeah, if you're nervous about that, you just have to ask. The worst thing that can happen is they say no. And most of the time when you reach out, these are people that you haven't necessarily met yet or like will probably not be interacting with often. So who cares if they say no, you know, it's not going to affect you in any way. You might as well give it a try. I think freshman year, I probably emailed like 10 labs and this was the first one that responded. And that's what you have to do, you know, ask a bunch of people and see who can help you out. Absolutely. And uh, those are actually encouraging advice because, you know, a break, like a, a great experience is just a yes away. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> how, that's how those don't hurt. It's okay. Everyone gets them. <laughs> Those don't hurt. They just, they just basically redirect you to where you are supposed to be going. Mm -hmm. So basically, that's, that's all it is. But uh, thank you so much for coming out to chat with us, Leanne. It's, it's, really, it's been really amazing to catch up with you with such a great student from Stony Brook and such an amazing student at Stony Brook Medicine. And thank you for all you had to say today. And if you'd love to hear from more from us, please visit our, visit our website, stonychivise.wixsite.com slash mysite. And we'll be more releasing more podcasts soon. So stay tuned. And until then, have fun. Mm -hmm.